Our lives are based on faith, not on likes and dislikes. Folks, you're not going to always like the sermons I preach. I know some of you are shocked in that. You're not going to always like, they're not always going to be comfortable, but they're going to be good for you. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Next quarter, uh, all the way up through Christmas, uh, each year as I pray and try to get the mind of God, because, folks, nothing, nothing sneaks up on God, nothing surprises God. Okay, God had the end before he ever made the beginning. Now, the thing is, in putting all these, these sermons together, these series together, is sometimes I'll get the order of them out of place. And so uh, Heather and, and Bill and the worship team, you know, they, they're, they're, they work on a specific song for one series that I was supposed to do two series ago. Well, we haven't got there yet. I, I thought that God had it going in this order, but God said, that's fine, son. The footsteps are ordered so you're walking, just keep walking. I'll direct you. And so sometimes I think it's this way, and God says, you're correct on the topic, but just the timing is a little different. So this series was actually slated for September. And I thought, okay, God, what's the deal? And, and God just dropped an urgency on me about dealing with this because I've been watching the news. I've been watching uh, people's lives. I've been watching stuff that's been happening and God said, uh, he, he reminded me of Matthew 24. And in Matthew 24, the Bible says, it's the whole passage. If you want to read it in times, passage, uh, in, in uh, you know, miniature form, in very succinct form, read Matthew 24. He just gives you an entire outline, and he tells you exactly when he's going to come. That says, when the gospel is preached to the whole world, then the end will come. You say, well, pastor, is the God? Yeah, all of that. So I'm not talking on the end times tonight, but in there, there's a passage that says these words, that because iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. Now listen to me. Because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. Who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking. You see, the New Testament, ladies and gentlemen, was written to the churches. Well, it's written to everybody, but it's directed to the issues involved in 
the people of God. And he said, because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. Let me put it in, in layman terms, or let me put it in simple terms. Because people are going to be blowing it left and right, even the people in the church are going to say, what's the use? They're going to start washing their hands and giving up. He said, because iniquity abounds in the church. People are going to say, what's, 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 what's the difference? The world's so churchy, the church is so worldly. What's the difference? Pretty profound statement, isn't it? But do you know that statement was made 150 years ago by a man by the name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon? You think the church has gotten better? But what happens is because of that, we start focusing on people and take our eyes off of God. All of you listening by YouTube and Facebook, this is something that you need to get a hold of. In the world we live today, the devil is working overtime to get your attention off of God and to put them on people. And the minute you do that, you lose. Your pastor, I guarantee I'll let you down. I guarantee I will. Not because I purpose to, not because I intend to, but because I don't have nail prints. The perfect church, if you're looking for it, it isn't there. Well, you know, I'm going to keep looking. Well, if you find it, don't join it because you're going to mess it up. That's my, that's my Queen Anne wave. I love you. The perfect church, ladies and gentlemen, hung at Calvary. And he's been working ever since perfecting the church. That word perfecting means maturing. And in this hour we live, ladies and gentlemen, we desperately need to be mature Christians, knowing that we have a choice, and that choice is called life. Am I making any sense today? Last week, and I'm just going to go through your notes, we're going to start at Roman numeral 2, actually two weeks ago. Uh, we're going to start at Roman numeral 2, and, and if you want to pick up where we left off, uh, you can go out to our website, and, and you can download the notes, you can download the podcast, you can watch it live uh, on YouTube and Facebook. Um, but I talked last week about the fact that there is a conflict in the world, and that conflict is called offense. And here's the conflict of offense. And I want you to hear me real quick, is we want everything to be someone else's fault. We are living in a blame game world. Folks, all you got to do is flip the news on. You know, these lives matter. Those lives matter. Folks, all lives matter. Jesus paid the price for all lives. Can somebody say amen? amen. And that's what matters. Okay? And, and you can lean this way, and you can go this way, and you can you could do, well, you know, you know I'm, I'm struggling with this whole identity. Ladies and gentlemen, you were born boy or you were born girl. No other options. Okay? Just the bottom line. Okay? But the world, because of the enemy, 
bringing this offense in, trying to get everybody to blame somebody. We ultimately blame God. It's your fault. But that's nothing new. It started in the garden. God said, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, you know, I was, I was naked, so I hid. We've been walking together every day, and you didn't have any clothes on then. What changed? Well, you know, I went down to, to this place, and we got some designer fig leaves, God, so now we feel better. And we put them all together, and now we're walking out here. And Who told you you were naked? Now, y'all, y'all got to understand, as I fixed that, I used to say naked. But I realized there wasn't an E in naked. I'm going to get you all into this, this southern vernacular real quick. Okay? Stan, Stan, let, let me tell you something. Do you know y- y'all going to talk like me when we get to heaven? Does the Bible not say... He's always going over yonder to pray. Doesn't it say that? Doesn't the Bible say, I reckon you should be with me? Come on, Casey. The Bible says he's all and all and in you all. Folks, Jesus was from southern Nazareth. I'm convinced. <laughs> Work with me, Stan, would you? Yeah, he's, he's over there. His wife's just shaking her head. Lord, help that feeble-minded preacher of ours. Adam, what's going on? Who told you you were naked? Well, you know, the woman you gave me Some of you wives miss a great place to shout amen right there. And the husband's been trying to blame the wife for everything since. Boy, some of the women are going to be talking about this sermon for a while. And we're still trying to blame somebody else. That's the conflict. That's the conflict. So I want to drop down here and I'm going to look at the cause. And I have it in your notes and it's on the screen. I want you to look at this. Here is the cause of the offense. We accept the offense, but we won't accept the responsibility. Somebody has wronged us, and we won't accept our part of it. Folks, nobody is crystal clean. We all have done wrong. Go ahead and look at somebody and say, he's going to be preaching to me this morning, isn't he? We accept the offense but not the responsibility. And we do have responsibility in it. 
Oh, not the blame. I'm not talking about the fault of it. But when we accept an offense, when we accept the fact that somebody wronged us and we allow it to irritate us, we become just as guilty as the one that offended us. Now, I want you to hear this. Because we make it ours. Jesus said, there's nothing you can do about the fact that offenses are going to come. Offense is as common as waking up in the morning. So you and I have to make a decision of what to do when and not if the offense comes. Only then... This is why I say that we don't take the responsibility of it. We want to think it caught me off guard. No, we've been watching the motions of it. Like that wave out there, we, we've watched it coming in. How did it catch us off guard? We knew it was coming. So we want to accept the offense, but not the responsibility. Uh, what do I mean by that? Very simply, ladies and gentlemen, when I get offended and I choose to do something contrary than to face it and deal with it, I have not accepted the responsibility of it. Every situation. I, I, I made a decision many, many years ago. I have to separate the message from the messenger. Do you know that message, as bad as it might be, it may be exactly what I need. What that person did or didn't do, as bad as it might be, it might have been God trying to get through to me. Well, I find that throughout Scripture. But when I choose to reject the responsibility of saying, God, okay, what's my part of this thing? That's why you've got to separate the message from the messenger. What's my part of this thing? What am I... To learn or to lose? What am I to accept or reject? And we're going to op open all that up today. You see, we must accept this is a normal thing called life. Offenses are going to happen. We must accept that this is a normal thing called life. And that life is going to deal a bad hand from time to time. Simply a lot of times because you're a Christian. Things are not always going to go in our favor. It's not a negative confession. It's just practical reality. Our lives are based on on faith, not on likes and dislikes. Folks, you're not going to always like the, um, what are those things called? The green things? Brussels. Thank you. I have another name for them, but I'm not going to use it over the pulpit. So we had Brussels for dinner. And uh, when I met my wife, the only vegetable I ate was corn and green beans. 
But now that I met my wife, I eat probably a half a dozen other vegetables. The rest of them are still questionable. But I eat a half a dozen, and I eat the little, the little green things, uh, the Brussels. And uh, it was very good, but we were, we were um, having that. And, and, and my wife, I, I'm sure she cooks stuff I don't like good because this woman just cooks so wonderfully. And I enjoy that because I understand that life is not based on likes or dislikes. If I don't like something, I just don't have it on my plate. If I do like it, I put it on my plate, and I might have two or three helpings of it. Okay? But I want to make a statement, and it's in your notes. But I want you to change a word that's in your notes. Your notes say these words, this is the basis of Christian fact. Is that what your notes say? It's on number two, letter A, number two. This is the basis of Christian fact. Did I leave that in your notes? Okay. I only have so much room to put my notes in your notes so sometimes it doesn't make it. Okay. I want you to scratch off that word this. Because I was praying this morning. I get up early and I'm, and I'm praying and I'm getting the mind of God. And so I came in this morning and I handed Bob a whole bunch of more notes for him to put onto the screen. Um, and so this is one of the things that God wanted me to do. Scratch that word this and put faith there. He wants us to understand faith is the basis of Christian fact. There's a little statement God gave me many, many years ago. If you will step out in faith, he will step in in fact. Okay? Faith is the basis of Christian fact. Understand, we will have, say that with me, we will have, say it again, we will have light afflictions. Now, you might say yours are horrible. Folks, none of us have had the afflictions that Paul the apostle had. And Paul said these light afflictions God is using for an eternal weight of glory. In Luke 17, Jesus said offenses are going to come. There's nothing you can do about it. And God said, I'll deal with the offender. Get over it. I'll deal with the offender. But I can't do anything about you if you accept the offense and won't take the responsibility of what you're supposed to do with it. Am I making any sense today? Okay. I had to lay all that so we could jump into this, okay? If we do not face offense, it's on the screen. If we do not face offense, it's in your notes, and accept the responsibility of the offense, we have a huge problem now. And you know what that problem? That problem has a name, and that name is God. If we accept offense, if somebody has wronged us and we own that and we accept it, but we don't take the responsibility of it, we now have a big problem, and that problem's name is God. Let me go on here. I'm going to bring out some hard scriptures they're going to help us to understand something. Remember the passage in Matthew 24? It's not in your notes, but you need to put it in your notes where it says, because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. It's not what's happening in the world, church, that is bothersome. It is what's happening in the church that we're blaming on the world because we're bringing it into the church. We're accepting the responsibility of the world putting it on everybody else, blaming everything, and just saying, ah, what's the use? I'm just going out of here. God, you're not taking care of it. I'm done. 
But God says, no, there's a responsibility we have to grab. Matthew chapter 18, let's look at this. Verse 15, if your brother sins against you, say that with me. If your brother sins against you, let's say it again. If your brother sins against you, it says leave the church. Is that the next line? It says give up on God. Is that the next line? It says, oh, throw a tent tantrum and, and start blaming and pointing your finger everywhere. Is that the next line? What's the next line? The next line is deal with it. Go talk to him about it. Go talk to her about it. Just between you and her. Don't tell everybody else the problem. Don't go around and, well, you know, I'm just going to tell you something. Don't tell anybody else, but I'm going to tell you something. It's called gossip. God said deal with it. Just between you and the person, if he listens, you've won a brother over. Now, there's a whole group of stuff in that passage that tells you what to do after that, what to do after that, what to do after that. But let's go past all of that to the guy who does not want to accept the responsibility of it. Look at Mr. Peter. He said, look at this, God. Lord, I want you and me need to talk, Jesus. Peter said, Jesus, okay, I get it. I just ain't got it. How many times do I have to forgive him? You see the responsibility part of it? Doesn't change, folks. Am I? Ceremonial law said seven times in the same day. Uh, Jesus said, well, I think you get it. You just ain't got it. If he comes up to you and he sends seven times in the same day doing the same thing, let's add a little multiplication. How about 70 times seven? Let's get close and personal. If my brother here, see, you get on the front row, it, it could be it could be dangerous. Tell me the first name again. Robert. Robert. Robert, if Robert here offends me, now he's pretty big and bulky. He could fit me pretty easy, okay? He just stands up and I start looking up. Oh, that could be, yeah. He offends me. And he says, Pastor, I, I blew it. Please forgive me. Okay. Five minutes later, he comes up and does the same thing. Robert, you just did. I know, Pastor, I'm trying to get a grip on this. Well, that happened seven times. And I said, son, I got to get a grip on you if you don't get a grip on this. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Jesus behind me says, really? What about your responsibility? Oh, okay, now I'm getting, I'm getting in there. I'm getting a little close and personal. What if I'm doing something that's sparking that irritation? No, oh, you couldn't do that. Really? Anybody ever had a bad case of the uglies? You tried to put makeup on, just didn't change anything. It's just, okay. 
I don't know. Maybe I should go and say, Robert, what? Have I done something that you can't get out of your head? Has the devil planted something in your head? You see, when I accept my part of this thing, Satan loses, God wins, and we overcome. Does this all make sense? Does it make sense? Good. I didn't want to be clear as mud. I want to make sure. that Because I preach sometimes, and all of my preaching makes perfect sense to me. But you know that's the difference between July and July. It all makes sense. Okay? Now, let me, let me go on here. Let me go on here. We're going to get a little up close and personal again. Luke 17, it's in your scripture. Okay? On the screen, those first three words I want you to pay attention to. So watch yourselves. And then he goes into that same passage. If your brother sins against you seven times. But that's what I want you to pay attention to. Jesus says, watch yourselves. Now, let me bring the context of that. If you want the context of this passage, you have to read verse 1 all the way to verse 10. Okay? That's the context of what Jesus is talking about here. And he says in verse 1, he says, people, offenses are going to happen. Ain't nothing anybody can do about it. You live in a fallen world. Stuff is going to happen. And then he says, pay attention to yourself. Some of your translations say, take heed to yourselves. Other translations will say, watch yourself. Other translations will say, be on guard. But there's an urgency that puts it on one person and one person alone through the entire context, and that is you. That is me. It's not the one doing something. It's the one that is in the line of target. Well, now, once again, Peter Mr. Man of Faith and Power for the Hour, he walks up to Jesus and he says, Lord, you and me need to talk. And then he says these words. It's not on the screen and it's not in your notes, but write it down. This is verses 1 through 10 of Luke. He said, Lord, increase our faith. And you know what Jesus told Peter? Essentially, you don't need more faith. He said, faith as a grain of mustard seed. That's all you need. That's all you need. The teeniest seed in all of creation. You don't need more faith. You just need to accept that this is a choice called life. And what are you going to do with it? Am I making sense? Offenses are going to to happen. Now I take you through the passage. Watch yourselves. If they sin, forgive them. But if they repent, forgive them. Seven times? Seventy times? I know somebody asked me a long time ago, well, Pastor, what happens when I get to 490? Which is what 70 times 7 is. I just told them, very simple. God will just put times 7 Folks, when he died at Calvary, he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You might sit back, oh, yes, they do. No, they don't. In light of eternity, they don't have a clue. Are you with me today? Am I making sense? Now I want you to go. It's not on your notes. You don't have to worry about the screen. I want you to go verse 10. 
because this is all context. In verse 10, it talks about the master coming in and the servant having to serve him. Okay, you and I, dealing with all this stuff. Now the master comes in. Does the master sit down and serve the servant? Oh, I understand. Oh, I'm, I, you know, yeah. His mercy is there. His grace is there. His compassion is there. But then he says these words. He says, you've only done your duty. What does that mean? In dealing with all of this stuff, you've only done what you have to do to get through this choice called life. And it's quiet in here. You've only done your duty. Folks, life isn't always going to work out. Matthew 5, once again, folks, now this is one of the most scary passages in Scripture outside of Matthew 7 where it says those that come to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done all these things in your name? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Well, here in Matthew 5, now I want you to understand this is the only sermon that Jesus ever preached. Literal sermon was called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Look what he says here in Matthew 5. Is it on the screen? Yeah. Should be Matthew 5, 24 through 26. Okay. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Talking about coming to God, offering your life, offering a gift, offering your heart, whatever the case is. He said, when you come to the altar to offer yourself to God, you offer your gift to God, or offer whatever to God, God said, You got a problem? Go to your brother and be reconciled with him first. And then come to me. You see, God tells us we have to deal with our issues. We can't blame everybody and think it's going to go away and think on that day we're going to stand before God and say, well, you know, God, it wasn't my fault. It was their fault. Well, what would you do about it? Well, what was I supposed to do about it? Same thing my son did. He nailed it to a tree. What would you do? He crucified the flesh. The same thing we're supposed to do. Are you with me today? Okay, folks, we live in an ugly world. I'm watching the news. I'm watching the stuff. I'm watching the church. I'm watching the Pope. I'm watching the religious leaders of this world are doing things that are contrary to what this book says. And I'm saying, God, you have to help us. And God says, you don't need more faith. You just need to grow up in the faith you have. That little seed, that little mustard seed becomes a huge bush that the birds of the field all build nests in. God said, we've got to grow. Back it back up, Will, please, as I go to that. Thank you. Okay? He said, settle matters quickly with your adversary who has taken you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way. Continue on. Or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. And I'll tell you the truth, you will not get out until the last penny has been paid, which is never. Scary passage. I'm going to break it down for you. In the context, remember we talked about that in Luke 17. In the context of this passage, we see very simply that the adversary is God's justice. Go back to the screen before. 
the adversary. Look at this. Settle matters quickly with your adversary. Your adversary is God's justice in your life and mine. The reality, we all deserve punishment. Agree quickly with the adversary. God, I'm, I'm just as guilty as that one that just did it. Who am I to hold something out on them that you didn't hold out on me? Quickly agree who is taking you to court. Do it right now while you're still in the way with him. Do it right now while you're still alive. Deal with the issue. Let's go on. Or he may hand you over to the judge. Justice will hand you over to God. Your adversary, the fact that we have to deal with this stuff, will hand you over to God. Who will hand you over to the officer. And by the picture of the passage, Satan is the officer. Once again, we're, ta we're talking about context here. And you will be thrown into, what do you think prison means? Exactly. And there is no escape. Let me bring you to the cure. There is a cure. And I, I want to go quickly through this. Because, folks, the world's not going to change. Are you okay? The world's not going to change. You know who has to change? The person sitting in your chair. The person standing in this pulpit. Folks, the only difference between me and you, i got more responsibility. I'm going to give account to all of this stuff that I preached. I made a statement a couple weeks ago as, why is it that everybody can say anything they want to say, but the pastor can't? You know what the Bible tells me in 2 Timothy? That the day is coming that I, I can't preach this Bible. Well, let me tell you, that day is already here. That they're not looking for sound doctrine. They're heaping to themselves teachers having itching ears, looking for what they want to hear, what is pleasing to them. And it's no different than, than the book of Isaiah. It said, don't tell us what God's word says. Tell us what we want to hear. That's right. And that's the hour we live. And I, you know, I, I preach something. Well, bless God, I don't like that. So what we do, we leave the church. And there's lots of churches. You can go hear whatever the heck you want to hear. But in this church, you're going to hear God's word. And when I say, why can't I say what I want to say? I want to preach God's word. And so guess what? It's kind of a rhetorical statement because I'm going to preach what I want to preach, which is God's word. Can somebody say amen? amen. I got <laughs> and folks, the world's not going to get better. 
So who has to get better? You and I. We have to take responsibility. Garbage is going to happen. The cure is we got to take it to the only one that can change it, and that is a throne of grace. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was likewise in every area tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, because we have a high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast the profession of our faith, that we can come to him boldly to obtain mercy and find grace, find grace, find grace. Not the greasy grace that we like to preach about. Oh, it's okay, God understands. No, he doesn't understand. He nailed the sin to the tree, and he said, what are you doing with yours? What are you doing with the issues of life that we deal with? Find grace to help in our time of need. The cure, freedom only comes when we are willing to face the fact that all have sin, including us. All have committed but not admitted the failures that we've dealt with. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear today, failure is not final. Problems are not permanent. Possibilities are for per perpetuity if we will trust in God. Because what happens, folks, when we just accept the sin, accept the offense, and don't accept the responsibility, it's the old adage that when we cover a sin, we cover our part, we've really sinned twice. And a person deceived will never be free. A person who thinks it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with them, them is a person deceived. Can you say amen? Proverbs 28, and it's on the screen. He who conceals a sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and renounces finds mercy. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 14, look what it says here. Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart is always blaming somebody else. Well, it's, you know, it's because of where I'm from. It's because of the color of my skin. It's because of my, my, my gender. It's because of whatever, folks. And I know that, this, you know, my statement right here could probably irritate one or two folks. I don't mean to, but why are we blaming everything? Instead of looking in the mirror. You know, I... Let me, let me, let me... Let me share just one or two things. A, you know, if we have a skin color problem, that's your problem. You know, I got my brother here. He's, he's of a, a native background. Am I correct, Jack? You know what? His blood's the same color as mine. We all bleed the same. God don't have a skin color problem. The problem with skin color is we could have discrimination or reverse discrimination. He could have a problem with me because I'm white. I could have a problem with him because he's, what color do they call natives? <laughs> how about beautiful? Hey, how that? Okay. Folks, 
Can I ask you something? Who borns you that color? If you've got a problem with that color, somebody else, why don't you talk to God about it? God, they don't like me because of my color. And God says, in this world, you're going to have problems. What are you going to do about it? Is it okay if I preach the word? You know, back in those days, they had all the same colors we have today. You know, Moses got in trouble. You know why Aaron and Miriam were ticked off at Moses? Because he married a black wife. God didn't have a problem. But the people had a problem. And all of a sudden, Moses is dealing with the people's problem. So much so that Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, he got ticked off at them. God, it's their fault. Bam! And God said, no, son, really, it's your fault. And you're not going in the promised land now. Oh, man, it's good preaching. (laughs) Folks, let's stop blaming everything and take responsibility. God, I don't know why you, I was born on that side of the tracks instead of this. Folks, don't know. But all I know, good, bad, right, wrong, God's still God, and I still ain't. So I'm going to trust God to do what God said he could do. Are you with me? Is anybody out there today? Okay. In your notes, and it's on the screen, repentance. See that big word? We don't like to use that in the church. Repentance is the only cure for this deadly disease. Not them repent, but us repent. We must cast down the lying spirit that controls the way we think. It's their fault. It's that fault. It's this fault. It's the other fault. No, what we have to do, the Bible says, is cast all of our sins to on Jesus, cast all of our cares on Jesus, and then do what he told the adulterous woman. Go and sin no more. All of life. And there's a lot more stuff here, folks. I just got some stuff that I want to get to that the Lord uh, was kind of given out this morning. All of life, every day, in every way, is clearly a choice. Every day, in every way, is clearly a choice that each of us must make and a stand we must take daily. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to be a few minutes yet, guys. Guys, yeah. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do, but they they don't have these notes, and you all don't have these notes. I've got to get into a breakdown because I'm going to give you a, a, a concise way to deal with this and by God's grace and victory overcoming this, okay? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I die to myself daily. I die to myself daily. I've got 10 things that I've written down here this morning, and I want you to grab a hold of them, okay? The first thing, when dealing with this fact, folks, people are going to do wrong. People are going to do you wrong. You're going to do people wrong. Folks, we live in a fallen world. It's going to happen. 
okay? The first thing you got to realize is in dealing with all this stuff, number one is God did not make a robot. You're not a robot. You're not just mechanic. Well, you know, you just got to go through the motion. No, not, not at all. God did not make a robot. This is one of the things that helps me overcome offense more than anything. If I feel anger, if I feel hurt, if I feel I'm offended, I do not ignore the feelings, but I bring them to God. I do not ignore it. I bring it in prayer. And the quicker I do this, the quicker I realize, listen to this, that I'm not a victim because the same power that raised Christ from the dead raised me from the dead. I'm not a robot. This is real stuff. The second thing, Jesus, even Jesus, expressed his hurt, his frustration. Remember Gethsemane? Father, (laughs) is there any other way? The Bible says so intense was the emotional burden that it was as if great drops of blood were breaking through his skin. What, what, what am I saying? It's okay to express your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. Jesus did it. It's okay to, to admit your frustration, your anxiety, but it's not okay to blame everything. The third thing. When somebody does something or something happens, listen to me, others' behavior, others' actions do not reflect God's feelings towards you. See, favor from God does not mean you're going to have favor with people. And another person's judgment really does not count. It simply does not matter. God, I love because I'm loved. And I cannot let their opinions, their actions, their attitudes affect that love in my life. The minute I do, because iniquity abounds, the love of many grows cold. My love will grow cold. And I'll be jaded. And you do not want a jaded pastor. That's why the book of Hebrews says, submit to those who who are on authority over you. For they watch over your soul. It would not be beneficial for you if they don't want to. You find that in Hebrews 13? It would not be beneficial. Folks, I'm I'm up every morning praying, and and I I call out many of your, your lives by name. And don't worry, even if I'm irritated at you, I still pray for you. Pastor, you can't say that. Why? The fourth thing, and I want you to hear this. It's okay to let God know you're mad at him. It's okay to let God know you're mad at him as long as you tell him why. Don't just have a hissy fit or a temper tantrum. God knows the fallen world. It's okay. 
when we feel like God is not coming to our rescue, or maybe God has abandoned it, abandoned us, or maybe there's times in your life where you feel like you are being punished and the offender is getting off scot-free, the enemy would love all of this mindset to lead you to be displeased with God and not the situation. And this anger towards God will result in you carrying an offense toward God. I'm going to speak about this in a couple weeks. You know, there's an offense that I can't do anything about. And that's when you take up somebody else's offense. When you get offended because somebody else got offended. Nobody can do anything. God, you're not taking care of this, so later for you. What, what can God do about it? Am I making any sense today, ladies and gentlemen? Number five. And once again, the devil works overtime. You feel like you're all alone. But folks, the Bible says everyone gets offended. Everyone gets offended. In reality, there is as much offense in the world as there is in the church. Number six, God's mercy. Please, I want you to hear this. God's mercy not only covers you, it covers the one that offended you too. Folks, when we're, when we're offended, when we're hurt, when we're uh, assaulted or whatever, the, case, the last thing we want is to know God's mercy is on them. No, we, God, get them. God, get them. No. God's mercy is just as great on them as it is on you. It can be difficult to look at the situation and feel like there's no justice being served. We wait so many times for God to vindicate us, but it seems like he is doing the exact opposite and is blessing the one who offended us. But the truth is, he is, rain falls on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on the just and the unjust. Folks, God is not interested in shooting balls of fire at the people who've hurt you. He is interested in their salvation as much as your deliverance. We're only defeated when we won't accept the responsibility of the offense and start blaming everything else and trying to walk away justified as if we aren't part of it. Are you with me today? I got a few more thoughts. Number seven, where more grace is needed, more grace is given. You're going through something, you need more grace, God's given it to you. But he's given it to you also that you can give the grace back out. Like my brother Robert here. He's done it over and over and over. He hasn't, but I'm, this is the example. Okay, He's over and over and over and over. God has to give me the grace to still love him. God has to still give me the grace 
to still help him. Why? I don't want him going to hell just like I don't want me going to hell. Folks, I don't want anybody going to hell. That's why the Bible says pray for your enemies. Do good to those that despitefully use you. Bless those that curse you. Folks, all I pray. I pray God. I said, God, you shut the mouth of lions. It's time to shut the lion mouth. That's all I can do. God, you said no weapon formed against me. God, it's yours. I give it to you. But God, save so-and-so. Set so-and-so free. Ladies and gentlemen, like the woman that came to Jesus and broke the alabaster box, ladies and gentlemen, the truth is that when we know he's loved, then we can love much. We can give that same love. Number eight. This is going to be a a difficult one. We have to set boundaries of who can and cannot have access to our lives. Folks, there's some people that the enemy, oh, they love God, but the enemy uses them to torment you. It's time to say goodbye. It's time to set some boundaries, okay? Because the reality, you have to keep a right attitude and enough energy for the relationships in your life. And to do that, you have to sometimes shut down certain access to certain people. This means keeping people out that bring us down and even those that drain us so much trying to lift them up. It's not our job. It's his job. Our job is to love people. His job is to change people. Their job, they got to let him. Number nine. Is this helping at all? Number nine, we will make mistakes, and that's okay. We will make mistakes, and that's okay. The last thing that I want to do, and it's on the screen, Bob, or Will, God is bigger than all of this. No matter what somebody has done, no matter what somebody hasn't done, God is bigger than all of this. And if we're focusing on people, people will let you down. If you're focusing on Christ, he'll never let you down. I want to go back into your notes for just a moment. The Bible says, as the worship team comes, that he set us free. Thank you, worship team. He set us free from sin. This is in your notes, folks. He set us free from sin or of sin to have victory from sin that we never again have to give in to sin. Let me say it again. He set us free from or of sin to have victory from sin that we never again have to give in to sin. You know what the Bible tells me? The Bible says, I can do all things. You know what the Bible tells me? The Bible says, greater is he who is in me. You know what the Bible says? If God is for me, who can be against me? You, You know what the Bible says? Though I walk through the valley 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Folks, in this world, we're going to have problems. That's why God gave us the rod, to deal with the problems. But he said, don't forget the staff and be drawn back into my presence after I've given you the victory. Can somebody shout amen? Come on, let's give glory to God as we stand to our feet all over this building. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harden. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.